Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. It's time to talk Sixers. Simmons off balance and an incredible bank shot is good. Here on the broadcast. The official podcast of Sixers.com. Embiid drives down the lane. He goes in and slams it. Oh, man, what a play by Embiid. Now, here's today's episode. Quite a different lay of the land in 76ers world. Since last we spoke here on the podcast, Ryan Seltzer saying, what's up? Thanks for checking out this edition of the pod. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the song that played right after the 76ers' most recent win, their third in a row. It came on Wednesday, 112-106 over the San Antonio Spurs, and that song is none other than Here Come the Sixers. More on that in a moment. But first reminders that to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to a couple places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Just type in Sixers Podcast Network, and you can also head to our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com backslash Sixers. This, what you are hearing, you know this tune. Of course you do. Here come the Sixers, the anthem from the mid to late 1970s up through the 80s, making a comeback in a major way in recent years. And the song was the subject of a phenomenal article uh, that was uh, written just such a terrific angle by Scott Cacciola of the flourishing New York Times. Scott, a man who certainly pens hashtag real basketball news on the reg, and he is good enough to join us now and chat about Here Come the Sixers. And why don't we start with, um, how was this idea hatched? How did you come up with uh, this being the subject of your piece? Oh, uh, so, you know, I, was, I, came, I came down to Philadelphia early in the season, um, and uh, I, I was completely unaware of the song. I mean, I know it's been out there for, for decades in, in one form or another, um, 
but I didn't, I didn't know about it. And then the Sixers won the game that I was at, and they played the song at the end of it, and I was like, wow, that's like a really catchy song. So um, and then I saw it, you know, a little bit on Sixers social media. Uh, I know you guys have been kind of using it a little bit this season, along with the hashtag. Um, so I was just really curious about the song. I thought there might be – I Googled it a little bit, and there hadn't been much about, you know, the backstory of it. I was curious who performed it and how old it was and how it kind of came to be and why it's sort of enjoying a renaissance now. So um, it didn't seem like it had been over-covered at all. So I was like, yeah, maybe there's a story there. So I just kind of, like, wanted to look into it. So great. Are you a music guy? Um, I mean – I wouldn't say it's a, a, an area of expertise, but um, uh, I enjoy music. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you find catchy about the song? Were you tapping your toes? Were you kind of like bopping oh. the head back and forth? Absolutely. Well, I, I played it for uh, a friend of mine. I sent it to a friend, and um, she played it for her like really young niece. And the like, kids like apparently love this. Like, it, it's like it's educational, right? It's counting. Um, you know, actually, part of the part of the backstory of the song itself is that one of the writers of the song was inspired by Sesame Street. I guess he came to the studio one day after watching Sesame Street with his daughter, and they were counting the numbers, and so that kind of worked. Um, there's uh, I. I just think it's so like it's so kind of old and um disco-y and catchy. It's so corny it's amazing in a way. You know, it's it's yes. like what's 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 old is new again. Um it, it has that vintage feel and I think it kind of works with um what the Sixers are doing in terms of some of their branding this season with the with the old school uniforms which I personally love. I love the I love the old style way better than like the Iverson era stuff that they were doing um, with the logo and all that. So I love that they're bringing back a lot of this stuff and the song kind of fits into that. I mean, it's a great, it's just, it's just a great song. I mean, how can you listen to that song and not be like cheerful, you know? Totally. It's like if you gave it to P-Funk to play during a show, you could see them going off on some major jam or something like that or instrumental improvisation. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot a lot to work with there. Um, you go into tremendous detail about the history of the song in your piece. came out originally in 1975. So how did you go about unearthing some of the details about how the tune was born? So, you know, there's a site... Um if you Google "Here Come the Sixers" and scroll down a little bit, um, one of the one of the there are three main guys behind the song: um, Randy Childress, Joe Sherwood, and Terry Rokop are the guys be, uh, who were in the band uh, who performed this in the '70s. And Randy has a site that he's kind of kept alive. Um, um, they they are actually the rights holders of the song, and they kind of um, they have an agreement with the Sixers to let the Sixers use it. Um, so Randy has kept this site alive. Um, that's uh, sort of a "Here Come the Sixers" uh, site, and he sells um, I don't know I think you know CDs or um, uh, I'm not exactly sure records of of the song, and he gives some of those proceeds to charity, but. So I found that site, and it kind of listed some of the guys in the band. So then I tried to find their phone numbers. I actually sent an email to Randy, and he called back. And so I just kind of went from there. Uh, and I, uh, I was able to track down all three guys uh, who were in the original 
band, and uh, they kind of just uh, took me through the process of of how it came to be and how um, the original idea actually was um, was uh, was uh, Pat Williams, the old the old uh, general manager of the team in the '70s, who's now um, an executive with the Magic. Um, but uh, in the '70s, at the time. Um, Pat was looking for a way to make uh, the game day experience um, uh, more family friendly, you know, give give kids something to get excited about. So he's like, maybe we need a theme song. And uh, Randy at the time was um, kind of working for the Sixers while he finished up his degree at Temple. And he was doing all sorts of odd jobs for Pat. Pat found out that he was in a band. And so uh, he went to Randy. He's like, do you want to try to write a theme song for the for the team and Randy was like absolutely, so he got together with uh, with his two bandmates and they started hammering out this song and the rest is history. You said a few minutes ago it's not like there's overly complex layers to this song. It seems on the superficial level, pretty simple, straightforward. It's definitely got an earwormy element to it yes. that stays with you. Um, but in reading about how they went about crafting the song, it does seem like there were some pretty well thought out, careful details to it, like replicating the sound of the dribbling of a basketball. And they also were right. conscious of leaving players out of the lyrics. So it seemed like this yeah. was not just kind of something that came together um, swiftly and haphazardly. Yeah, they had they had never done um, anything quite like this, but they were very forward thinking about um, you know, by keeping specific player references out of the song, it, it ensured its longevity. Um, that was smart of them. Like, um, it, and, and they hadn't really done anything like this before, so that was that was pretty pretty uh, pretty veteran move on their part. Also, you know, they wanted it to be upbeat. I mean, these guys are trained musicians, so they explained to me that they put it in um, uh, key of E major, which apparently at the octave that they were singing this song, it kind of pushes the energy. Um, and uh, you can kind of sense that. You know, the guys aren't necessarily straining vocally, but they're definitely pushing the higher register of their of their voices as, um, I guess they describe themselves, they're all male tenors, I think. Um, so, and, and, and some of this sort of harmony is kind of fun, and, and I, I won't say complex, but um, there's a lot of harmonies harmonization i don't know is that a word sure yeah uh, we'll roll with it yeah yeah let's let's go for it um and 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 you know the way they the lyrics are are, are catchy you know the whole one two three four five sixers and then counting back down and getting 76 10 9 8 76ers i thought that's kind of like clever it's clever um so uh also um uh, Joe Sherwood invited his brother Richard to play the Horner clavinet. Yes. Horner, Horner, is that? Yeah. So that was the, that was the instrument that uh, Stevie Wonder plays um, and still plays. Um, very famously, I think on Superstition, that track. Um, uh, if you hear the song, you'll recognize this instrument. So in one of the after one of the choruses, you can hear the clavinet. Um, kind of jamming out, which gives it some extra funk. Um, so it's, I just think it's, it's for a three minute song, it's got a lot going on. And it's super singable. Like, there are literally like five lines that you need to memorize so everyone can memorize the, the lines and, and sing it along. Um, I don't know. I just think it's great. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been as interested in doing this story if I didn't think the song was a lot of fun. Um, 
and it's uh, I just think it's catchy. Yeah, the clavinet. I think isn't that like the piano type electric instrument yes. that gives a little electric keyboard sound? Yeah, it's really distinctive. Um, it's kind of cool, and Stevie Wonder kind of popularized that in the '70s. And I actually saw Stevie Wonder in concert a couple of years ago, and he's still playing uh, the clavinet. Uh, it's pretty cool. And also, the song "Here Come the Sixers" seemed to fit, obviously, as I guess you would expect it to. Um, certainly, the era of time, um, culturally, musically, in the United States, but specifically. The Sixers, they had a team full of personality. The way that it played at that time with some of the guys on the team had mm-hmm. a soulful aspect to it. Um, so that seemed to be a nice marriage, too. Absolutely. I talked to World Be Free, who, who's still with the organization. He was a first-year player with the Sixers when the song debuted. And he can remember, like, um, back then, uh, they would play the song as sort of the intro as the team would hit the floor for warm-ups. And he remembers, like, the crowd really getting getting into it. They could hear the song. They knew the team was about to hit the floor for warm-ups. Uh, now, they, they, now they've kind of reserved the song, as you know, uh, as a way to celebrate home wins. So it kind of preserves its, uh, its uh, uniqueness, I guess, in a way. It makes it special. Um, and since it is... I think it's smart because you don't want to play it to death because I think people would get sick of it uh, if you had it all the time. So I think this is a good way to kind of like make it a way to kind of uh, commemorate home wins for the crowd. And I think I was smart on part of the Sixers to do that. In our good old digital department here at Sixers Central, we're always trying to come up with ways to integrate music into content. And certainly if there's anything out there, um, that has to do with the team, and here come the Sixers, without question, is the most prominent one. But were you aware, and yeah. this is just something that, like, when you go down the uh, wormhole of YouTube searches, uh, there are a couple other Sixers rally songs. I don't know if you <laughs> came across it. They're a little bit different. I did not. I did not know about this. <laughs> All right, so here, let's, well, let's, try, look. <laughs> let's try and play one from the uh, 1966-67 championship season and this one kind of has i guess a colonial march feel here let's see if we can play this kind of creative Fast breaking down the floor, they go on to reference guys on the roster. <laughs> How did I like, not know about this? Oh, I wish I'd known about this. It, it's kind of buried deep in YouTube searches. Um, <laughs> you know, it's they list different guys on the team: Will Chamberlain, uh, yeah, Wally yeah. Jones. Uh, you know, it's it's cheeky, but. I think really what this gets to the point of um, that your article, at least for me, started to get me thinking about. Do we need, should there be a greater prevalence of team rally songs in sports in the modern era? It seems to be something that has been lost over time. I think the thing that's, that makes the Sixers song work is that there's history behind it. Um, you know, it's so hard to sort of manufacture um, a new song uh, or a new chant. So it has to sort of happen organically, I think, to kind of work. I think of like how the Red Sox, for example, um, um, you know, several years ago when they emerged as, uh, 
World Series champions. They did the Sweet Caroline thing in the seventh inning. Like that was a that was sort of an organic thing for the team. It's hard to like say like let's write a theme for a team and have it go have it be a hit. Um, it has to be a really good song for that to work, and it has you know fans have to get into it. I think the thing that's good about the Sixers is that there's history. It's 40 years old, and I think a lot of Sixers fans remember it from when they were kids, and like there's a, there's a feeling of nostalgia that goes with it, totally. which is why it which is why it works, um, and it makes them think of the good old. It makes them think of Dr. J. It makes them think you know all sorts of fun stuff from the team's past. It's hard to like. It's hard for teams to create something new and have it instantly adopted as part of the team's culture. Uh, it's a real hard. It's it's. I love theme songs, and I, I think it'd be great if more teams had them. It's just hard to kind of. Uh, it feels a little bit artificial if a team like hires, um, you know, a, a band to to write a new song and and have it stick. Um, it's just. There's something about this song, the Sixers song, that has withstood the, the – there's some formula. It's it's withstood the test of time and the change of the team, and it went away for a decade or two, and then it came back. It's like there's something there's something cool about that that I think works, and it's hard to – it's hard to manufacture that, I think. You have a great closing quote at the end of the final sentence, and Pat Williams really seems to put a bow on it where he says – Winning helps, too, when it comes to the enjoyment of a song. And it's like yeah. if you go into United Center now and they play the serious, the Alan Parsons Project song that welcomed the Bulls in during the Jordan era, doesn't quite have the same resonance <laughs> as it did, yeah. you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, people, despite some of the recent growing pains, uh, ups and downs, um, funny backstory behind this story is that we sent a, a videographer – to like five straight home games to try to capture the post-game um, scene with the with the song being played and fans dancing and the Sixers lost all five games, so <laughs> we don't have a video of that scene. So we just had to stick with the actual like YouTube clip of the song itself. Anyway, so the point is, I mean, but the Sixers are clearly on the rise. They've got you know fans are optimistic despite you know um, struggling a bit in the in the month of December, um, and I think fans are excited. I mean. If, the the problem was they they were playing this song the last few seasons, but I mean, how many home wins did the team have? And 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 it just it just didn't have the same resonance that it does now because now there's now there's a real feeling behind the team that you know this team is gonna could contend for a playoff berth, and who knows after this season where they'll go from here. For as expertly as you do write about basketball team-related theme songs. It should be noted that you cover the league at large. So, yes, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of what the 76ers have been doing almost at the halfway point of the season. You were here about a month ago. What uh, what were your thoughts about what you were seeing, the vibe around the team, um, and, of course, what was uh, taking place on the court? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting. I, I think, um, I mean, Ben Simmons was playing great at the time. I think he's uh, just a multidimensional threat um a guy who doesn't need to shoot from the outside to be really effective it's interesting um i mean i think like everybody in philadelphia it's just a matter can they stay healthy i mean that's the big that's the big question you hope they do because you want to see this team at their best you want to see them, them develop together um and we forget that fault hasn't even played this season it's it's like it's kind of a forgotten thing that oh yeah they have another another number one pick kind of just waiting and if he can develop and get healthy again who knows um so i mean when i was there they were they had really gotten off to a hot start and kind of 
people were going crazy. But I think not. I don't, I don't want to say there was regression. I think it's just part of the. I hate to use the word process, but I think it's part of the process of season that they'll have to kind of. It's a long season. Um, Joel hasn't played a full season, obviously. Um, you know, so far so good. I mean, I think this is kind of what you expected. And um, they had a nice win over the Spurs the other night. I know the Spurs were coming off a. I think it was a back-to-back for them, but still, that was a good win for them. And um, you know, I'm I'm high on the Sixers. It's just a matter of you just don't know about the health, and you kind of knock on wood and hope everyone can stay healthy. Were you sensing that Simmons would? have the type of impact he's had at this stage, three months in? It was hard to say. I mean, because I, I didn't really watch him a whole lot when he was at LSU. I don't follow college basketball that closely. So I I had heard that he was sort of a, a transcendent talent. Um, I think I saw him play uh, against the Nets when they came up here for a preseason game. Um, and I was like, wow. I didn't realize quite how kind of like long and graceful of an athlete he is um, it, the fact that he's playing the point, um, and at six nine, I mean, kind of unguardable for a guy that long, um, and the way he sort of strides to the basket. And I was like, I was really kind of like taken aback by by that, um, just his athleticism. I, I wasn't quite expecting that, um, uh, and he's pretty polished. I mean, I know that I know his. I know his shooting is sort of a work in progress, um, uh, but the the fact that he can impact the game quite this much without having a reliable outside shooting game is is pretty remarkable to me. So if he can add that element as his game progresses, he's still so young. Um, I think his potential is incredible. Simmons was number four, if I'm not mistaken, in the first returns for fan voting for the All Star game. Joel Embiid. I want to say was eighth overall amongst all players in total number of votes received. What is going on with Embiid, and why do you think he's been able to generate the type of following he has so far? Um, you know, let's say he was uh, dominant at another. Is part of it just like his general build, his general personality? Everything about him seems to be big <laughs> and massive. I mean, I think besides the skill and athleticism and the footwork i think it's he's just got such a fun personality i mean i think nobody's nobody in pro sports i think uses social media to more to his advantage than than joel Embiid. i mean the guy is hilarious on twitter he seems genuinely likable he 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 has a sense of humor about himself there's just a likability to him that i think kind of transcends even what he does on the court um, I think it just makes him a really popular guy. Um, uh, I, it, he just—I just think he's hilarious. Like if you get him, if you get him going, uh, I think that's part of the equation. Just the fact that um, here's a guy who just really doesn't take himself that seriously, and he's and he's capable of dominating games. Um, I don't know. He's he's a unique guy. I think that's just part of it. People are just kind of want to see what he does next, what he says next. Um, it's great to have pro athletes have that kind of personality, I think. 
Great personality from the latest piece from Scott Cacciola about here come the Sixers, the 76ers recently revived anthem over the previous years. Scott, awesome stuff, a really enjoyable read, and thanks so much for a few minutes. Thanks, Brian. As I mentioned to Scott, a pretty big music dork and nerd on this end, so anything that marries tunes, hoops, great. I'm totally in. And if you've not read Scott's piece yet, you can find it on his Twitter feed at Scott Cacciola. His last name is spelled C-A-C-C-I-O-L-A. It's also up on the Times website at nytimes.com. So that was great. Very enjoyable and uh, a different approach, which was unique and excellent. Um, And just uh, to put a real quick bow on all this uh, before we wrap up the episode, so during the conversation, we played back the theme from the 66-67 76ers championship run. Um, and some of you listening out there may remember that also from the 1982-83 title season, there was a Sixers song as well. We found this. It's called Keep It On, Galaxy 5. You got, you got, you got to move when the Sixers rock and we got the groove. So keep, 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 keep it on with Dr. And you can hear, not quite as 70s soul funkified as Here Come the Sixers in the early 80s, branching out to a little bit more electric, drumbeat-ish type stuff. But that was good. And um, the legendary Grover Washington Jr., he wrote the song, Let It Flow, parentheses for Dr. J. A nod to Julius Irving, whom he was close with. After doing the pod with Scott here on this episode, I feel like a completely different podcast could be devoted to some of the best top sports team rally theme songs over the last couple decades. But, yeah, if you go out and do a Google search or YouTube search for anything like that, you will earworm your way to some songs I would think that will stay in your head for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, all in all, good stuff. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We'll have a rewind episode of the podcast after Friday's game against the Detroit Pistons. And then the 76ers are off to London for the annual NBA Global Games London matchup. Uh, and it's going to be against the Boston Celtics next Thursday. And we're expecting to have uh, a couple podcasts coming your way from across the pond next week. So please do stay tuned. And also, please do enjoy your weekend. Talk to you next time. See you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Thermador at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.